Welcome to the Imperfect Professional Podcast, where we have real conversations about what it looks like to run a business that fits your lifestyle. We're here to ditch perfectionism and comparison and instead create our own rules about what a perfect business looks like. I'm Shana Nacion and I'm your host. Join me and our amazing guests from all around the world for some real talk about identity, mindset, and authenticity in the small business world. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the podcast. I am Shana Nacion. I'm the host. Today we have another very special guest. She's also a designer and she just went through a really cool rebrand of her business. And so today we have Bella. I think I'm pronouncing your name correctly. But yeah, how are you doing today? Oh, fine. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. It's a good morning for me. So your new studio name is now Casa Bella? Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And so can you tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are and all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Bailey. You said <laughs> I'm a designer. Actually, I'm a communicator because I in university I studied communication for specifically for the advertising field. Mm-hmm. Well, I came from the advertising, but I like design better because <laughs> advertising is like a special field. And I do design, branding, I do campaigns occasionally, web design, and all kinds of design, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I think what immediately drew me to your Instagram, I don't remember how I found your account, but as soon as I saw your work with like typography, I was like, okay, I need to be friends with this person. Her stuff is amazing. (laughs) And you originally started the studio with your sister. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And I needed help, but I couldn't pay anyone because I wasn't starting out. So my sister was just studying. She wasn't working. So I told her, my sister's name is Giannina, and I told her, hey, Gianni, it's time to help me. And she's really good with numbers and accounting and all the stuff that I'm really bad with. <laughs> so she always helped in that side. That's awesome. And when did you guys start the studio? I was uh, actually working for uh, another company, and I was doing a lot of work, and I was doing it myself. And it was kind of uh, too much for me. So I thought about quitting, but then an, an idea came to my mind and I present them the idea to create some sort of inside agency to work in design and do campaigns and all the stuff that I do and incorporate some people, someone in social media, because I'm really bad at social media, maybe someone to help me with animations and all motion design. And in that company, they thought that was an amazing idea. So that was kind of the start of Casa Vele. Oh, that's beautiful. That's so. I initially only did work for that company. It was a, a pharma company. So I work a lot with all the pharmaceuticals so, and all that stuff. And then I started to slowly gain clients outside that company. Nice. Yeah, that's super interesting because I wouldn't have guessed based on the work that I've seen on your Instagram that they were like a pharma company. I know you have really a diverse portfolio of different styles and yeah. different things. It's really cool. Yeah, that sometimes make me, well, in the past, running, I, I won't say it's that way, but in the past, I was really like confused and sometimes insecure about the diversity in my portfolio. 
because uh, I saw all the people on Instagram working for niche and maybe going for a specific niche. And I was like, I am doing wrong. (laughs) I am in the right path. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's something that I'm really excited to talk with you about today, because I know you went from originally it was Apple Peach Studio, right? Yeah. And so you kind of had this like transformation going on on your Instagram. So can you tell me a little bit about what changed and what made you decide to do that? First of all, it changed the team. My sister left the studio and uh, there's two people that started working with me, a photographer and another designer who started helping me. And then I find a big client who does a lot. And it's an educational platform. And that's a lot of courses for people from the, the agro industry. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. It, yeah, they were looking for a new approach because in the agro industry, everything is too corporate <laughs> to say it, or maybe too green. Mm-hmm. It's all the same. Yeah. You, you look at that industry and everything looks the same and they were trying to make something different. That's why they called me. And then I started needing help because there was a lot of courses and videos and a lot of collateral design. So I incorporate those two people, Jules and Sophie, that are currently working with me. And then I had to hire a social media manager. And then I was like, okay, I'm no longer the small independent studio founded by me in my room with my sister. <laughs> I'm kind of bigger now. That's so exciting. And what do you feel has been like the biggest struggle with growing that quickly? First of all, the organization. It's like you have so much work and so much, so much to do, and you have to be really well organized. You have to have a good organization to be able to achieve the best results. And sometimes when all that work comes to you, all of a sudden, you just can't get organized. For me, organizations, it's like I'm a mess. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. I mean, especially going from working with your sister, who I'm, I'm sure you have really good, like, communication skills with. Yeah. To, like, now it's a bunch of strangers, and it's like, okay, we all have to learn how to speak, like, the same language and work with the same tools. That must be a big adjustment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I must say I got the right people because they were really patient. They were really willing to help and suggest, and we were all, like, we instantly may be um, instantly click. I mean, that's cool. That's awesome. And especially like building that trust, because when it comes to like bringing other people into your work, it's hard to know that you can trust somebody to do the job yeah, well. Definitely. Yeah. And to be kind of like proactive. So you're not having to like micromanage or work over their shoulder as they're trying to get stuff done. That's cool that you found those people. Definitely. And it's also difficult from my perspective to make them feel safe and comfortable to be able to open freely, to speak their minds. And if they don't like something, I would want them to tell me that. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's a challenge too. Yeah. And do you work, is your team also based remotely or do they work in the same location? Yeah. It's all remotely. Oh, wow. How many different time zones then? Is it like three different time zones for everybody? Yeah. Wow. But we managed. <laughs> we managed. 
sometimes there's one that misses one uh, one meeting, but other times there's another one who misses a meeting, but we always communicate in through WhatsApp because it's available for all of us. And you just see the message whenever you want, whenever you can. That's nice. Let's get baby. Yeah, write something. I'm going to sleep and there's someone who is just waking up. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool though. It's nice that you can have that flexibility. Do you feel like with the studio, that was always something that you wanted was you wanted to start your business in a way that would let you travel and do whatever you needed to do? I always travel. See, as I have half of my family here in Argentina, half of my family in Italy, so traveling is part of my life. So yeah, I needed a flexibility. I, I didn't want to stay just in one place because I like to visit my cousins. I like to visit my aunt. My family is really important for me and for, and to be able to be with them, I need to travel. Mm -hmm. That's nice. What kind of strategies do you have to make it easier for you to unplug when you're with your family? If you are taking your work with you, how do you like set that boundary? Well, that was really difficult for me when I was starting out. I wanted to work all day because if I didn't, I felt like I was failing. Yeah. Right now, I try to don't touch the computer, first of all. <laughs> Just close my computer, put it in a box. That's all. Don't want even see it. <laughs> I like that. Just very compartmentalized. Just like, it's over there and I never have to think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. That's so cool. I, I feel like there's a lot of people that have that kind of nomad lifestyle. And I was talking about this with another guest on the podcast. There's so many people who like take pictures of them like on their laptop, like at the pool or something. And it's like, are you really enjoying doing both things at the same time? Why not put one aside and be more present? But I guess whatever works for you, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't have the ability to work in, in places that are supposed to be relaxing. I mean, I can work in a pool. I can work in my living room. I need to work in the room that's specially designed to work. Yeah. Because if not, then if I have to relax and I work in the pool, when I'm in the pool, I like thinking about work and it's not like a relaxing place for me. Yeah. No, I, I'm the same way. I uh, moved in. So after uh, my last relationship ended, I moved out because we were in this nice house, but I couldn't afford it on my own. And I had a separate office. And so when I moved back in with my family, I have this small little like one bedroom situation. And so my bed is like right there and I have to sit at my desk and I don't allow myself to do work in bed and I don't allow myself to eat in bed or do anything like that. I'm like, okay, the bed is only for sleeping. And then I have my desk and that's as close as I can get to that nice compartmentalized feel. But I so miss having that separate like office space. Like you mentioned, this is the dedicated work area and I go here to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really important for me. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned like looking around at what other people are doing with their business and feeling like there was a lot of pressure to run things a certain way. Can you talk a little bit more about what that's like and what kind of pressure you felt like to do what specifically? Yeah, I think that happened especially on Instagram. I was on Instagram a lot. I'm not that much right now. 
And a lot of people were talking about finding a niche, working with a niche, and I didn't actually have one niche and I wanted to do all kind of work. Mm -hmm. And I understood that part when you can design for everybody and you can be for everybody. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I really need to niche. It was like one of the biggest debates I had for a long time. And I actually had to talk with an old teacher of mine from university because I didn't know what to do. And I needed someone who could guide me in this. And I was like, I am actually wrong. And everybody is right. No. What did you end up deciding? No, I, I decided that looking for a specific niche wasn't like for me. And the main reason is that I never found myself in a position when I didn't have clients. Thank of God, I always have clients. So something was working right. Yeah, that's really cool. Where do you see most of your clients coming from? Is it through Instagram or from like word of mouth? Uh, word of mouth and right now referral. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think for the first four years of my business, I'm coming up on five, but it's all been just word of mouth as well. And I feel like when you do your business and you run your business in a way that's a little bit different and you stand for something in particular or you have a certain kind of quality about you, then people are more likely to refer their friends to you. And so it kind of makes it a little easier. Is that what you've kind of felt too? Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I work a lot in the equestrian industry. And I noticed that. Those kind of industries are really slow. So once you are in and if people like it, your work and the way you work, they tend to refer you and pass you along with all the friends. That's nice. That's awesome. So I guess that you found a little bit of a niche in that regard. <laughs> yeah, you can say. <laughs> are you a horse person yourself? Is that how you got started with that? Yeah, my dad. Oh, cool. My dad has horses. I can't ride, but my dad does. That's cool. Is that something you grew up with all your life then? Yeah, exactly. Nice. Actually, I have a horse and my horse name is Lady Duck. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Does she have a good poker face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So you talked about like all this pressure to niche down and all of this stuff. And you had this mentor. What was the mentor telling you? What Were they saying like, yeah, you actually do need to niche down or were they encouraging you to kind of do your own thing? No, he encouraged me a lot to do my, my own thing because he told me that niching down was actually a trend. Everybody was suggesting to niche down, just down. And he told me, remember, you are not here for the trend. You're here to grow. Just do your thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think I saw somebody just had a post the other day and it was talking about how trends, they might be helpful in like small scale. But yeah, like you said, you if you want to grow long term, and you need something more than trends. That makes a lot of sense. But I feel like once you kind of get that, like somebody encourages you to do your own thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that you just snap your fingers and the pressure isn't there anymore. Do you still feel those pressures when you see other people on Instagram? Um, I could say I feel less pressure than before. Because I'm working on myself, I'm in confidence, and I'm really happy with my work. So when you start working on yourself and you're proud of what you're doing, 
you tend to be a little bit less influenced by what people say. But there are times that I'm like, why? I need more followers. And it's like, why? Why do I need more followers? Like, I'm not an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. All those like different myths, like, oh, you need more followers or you need to do Instagram reels or all these different things. I feel like it's at the end of the day, if it isn't actually getting you clients, then what are you doing it for? Like you said, just why? Why do I need to? Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes like Instagram messes up with your hair and everybody is saying, get on reels, get on reels. And you just feel you have to get on reels, but it's useful to just stop for a moment, rethink. So why do I have to get on reels? Yeah. Well, I noticed another thing too on your Instagram, there aren't very many pictures of you and like what you look like in your face. Was that a conscious choice or do you just put up what you put up and you're just like, if my face isn't there, then too bad. <laughs> no, no, that that's just choice because I have never been the kind of person that uploads a lot of selfies and a lot of pictures of themselves, even on my personal account. Yeah. I'm more of uh, taking pictures of coffees and buildings and all of that. I, I never felt like I want to be known by the things I do and not the way I look. Mm, I love that. I understand that you have to humanize the brand and all of that, but now that I have a team, I feel like it would be better to post photos of our meetings or maybe our chat and the way we work together. Yeah. And I feel like you still get a really good sense of your personality because you have such a strong style to your work. So I don't feel like I've never really seen you and especially not in person. And yet I've been following you for a long time and I feel like I can kind of get your personality and your tone just from the content that you are sharing. No, that's amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you have a distinct enough style that it feels like a person. It doesn't feel like somebody who is just creating things all over the place, you know? So yeah, it's very grounded. Well, I, I always try to pick up clients and projects that really excite me mm -hmm. so I can give it that human touch and that personal style I have. If the project doesn't excite me, the, the design is not going to be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the confidence component of the whole thing. And I feel like confidence is such a key thing to have when you're starting your own business or when you've been running it with yourself. And especially when you're scaling to tr try and bring people into your team. What do you feel really gave you the confidence to start your business in the first place? I know you talked about a lot of other people being excited about the project, too. Do you feel like you had to kind of muster up the confidence to do it? Or were you just kind of ready to go right from the start? I was ready to go <laughs> from the start, but thanks to my family. Mm. Especially the my dad's part, that they are all business owners and they all have that Italian mind that you have to have your own thing and it's all part of the family and we're going to work together and make it work. So he always gave me strength. And he's my biggest cheerleader right now. That's so cool. So he gave me the confidence I need. That's amazing. I love that you have that like support and that encouragement and like just the push to do something for yourself. That's really, really cool that you had that. What did you feel like when you were a kid? Did you always want to be a business owner or what did you want to be when you grew up? 
Yeah, I always knew I wanted to work for myself when I was uh, younger, 13, maybe years old. I found them to work sure. I designed and built miniature houses. Oh, that's so cool. And I used to teach the people in my neighborhood and I used to sell some of those houses. So right from the start, I knew I wanted to do my own thing. Like doll houses or like? Yeah. Oh, wow. Doll houses, but not to play, more like to collect. Oh, interesting. That's really cool. Did you have a lot of people that were like really into that? Was that a, a fad at the time to collect those little houses? Yeah, but if you, especially in Spain and Italy, there's a lot of old people doing that. So it was just me, a teenager <laughs> with a lot of grannies. That's amazing. I love that. And you're just showing up with this like high quality product and you're like, here you go, old people. I have these beautiful houses for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. At 13. That's such a young age to get started with your own business. But I love that. It sounds like you came from kind of more of the corporate world. Is that correct? When you said you were working yeah. for the company? What yeah. differences do you see between the corporate world and running your own business for yourself? I think the most important thing for me was that when you are running your own business, you don't have that kind of, sorry for the word, but that kind of bullshit between employees and people mm -hmm. that corporate world has. It's like, there's a lot of people that are really selfish and they want to scale up and it doesn't matter what people say and that people that don't care about their partners it's just corporate work can be hard yeah you can be sure that some people are really your friends and maybe you are nice to some people and then they just throw it all away yeah it's more about like a competition yeah competitiveness and not that like team feeling Exactly. I, I feel like in smaller teams, you can be a lot more friendly and family-like. Yeah, for sure. How did you meet your team originally? Like, how did you find them? One of them, the photographer, it's a friend of my sister. Oh, nice. And the girl who's doing web design, what's kind of can crazy story? Because when I was younger, I was a fan of Hilary Duff. Mm -hmm. And I was in the official fan club. Oh, wow. And this girl was also in the official fan club. And we follow each other on, on, on and there was time, what, what the social media at that time? I don't even remember my Yeah, day. my space. And then, yeah, and then Facebook and now Instagram and which is got friends. That's so cool. Does that mean you guys have been friends since you were like teenagers then? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And then she studied web design and then I started my business. It was like, I need a web designer. Oh, I'm a web <laughs> Perfect. That's so cool. And I, that's something that keeps coming up with the different guests that we keep having is like putting it out there, what you need. And it seems like just the act of saying, I'm looking for this seems to draw a lot of people in that can help you, that want to help you with stuff like that. And I feel like that's something yeah, that, that you see too with a lot of smaller businesses. Yeah, a lot. Okay, so then with switching from the corporate world into this, you know, smaller scale, kind of more friend feeling thing, do you feel like 
your next step is to hire more people or do you want to keep things small as you keep going? I want to keep, I want to keep things small, but I want to hire people that are, are very specialized in the things they do. I like to have someone who manages social media and that's all they do because they know best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love to respect what people said and what people learn and what people know. Yeah. Have you always found yourself in like a managerial kind of role? Because I feel like talking to you, you have such a great foundation of leadership skills. You don't want to like micromanage people. And I love that you try to keep the communication going and still give the people that you work with like this freedom to live their life on whatever time zone they're at or to have their own expertise. Have you always had that experience of being in a leadership position? Uh, in my old, in my old corporate job, I was a leader in my team. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And I always tried to make it more relaxed and my boss wasn't having it. <laughs> he was like, no, 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 this is for yesterday. You have to work for it. Yes. And I wanted to make things more friendly and more relaxed because I feel like especially the creativity field and all the, all this field, we really need the relaxing time and to choke around and to be proud because when you are relaxed and you're happy, creativity flows easily. Yeah, I totally agree. What are some ways that you encourage your team to be more creative? Do you have like, you know, team game nights or anything like that? Or do you just kind of let them do whatever they want outside of work time? We usually, when we have team meetings, we usually dedicate the time to speak our minds and chat random stuff. Mm, I like that. And sometimes we speak for hours about the most <laughs> random stuff ever. What's an example of something really random that's come up in a meeting? Uh, the last time, the last meeting we had, one of the girls mentioned that she was a fan of a criminal documentary. Mm. It was an entire hour talking about crime and, and documentaries and this with this documentary Netflix is amazing. Oh my gosh. I love that specific example because I'm totally a true crime junkie. Like I can talk about, what is his name? The six foot nine serial killer who was killing women in California. Every time... A friend of mine and I will talk about like somebody who's really tall. I'm like, oh, well, have you heard of the serial killer who was six foot nine and he was like driving around abducting people? And I'm like, not everybody's into true crime that much. So yeah, I can empathize. One of the girls, one of the girls in the studio has a list of all the documentary and series she watched. Mm. And then she puts up, okay, this was good. This was kind of good. This was bad. <laughs> I love that. She just has a list of recommendations for you guys. <laughs> yeah, she shared, of course, the list of recommendations to us. <laughs> Have you watched any of the things on her list? Just a few, because I'm not the, um, big, the biggest fan of the of crime documentary, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a very kind of niche topic that people yeah. don't necessarily get into very people easily. People who like them are very passionate about this. Like, <laughs> not, not simply, I don't like it, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with us. 
what other kinds of things do you do for your own like confidence and your own ability to have that creative connection, not necessarily with your team, but just for yourself? I like to enjoy things just because I like them. <laughs> I, I connect a lot with other types of art, like music. I'm a big fan of music. I love going to concert. I suffer a lot during COVID because I couldn't go to concert. Yeah. And I try to be in the moment and enjoy that energy that flows around in those places because that I feel like that's so powerful and you can take so much out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. There's something that comes from like being open to whatever's coming through instead of trying to control how things are going or to say, I want this out of this experience, just kind of being open. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because sometimes you can be super surprised. Mm -hmm. I love that. What kind of music do you like? I'm really into pop. I was a huge, but huge fan of One Direction. Mm. So that's my kind of music. And Lady I Gaga. like rock. Yeah, and Lady Gaga, <laughs> of course. And rock, you said? Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know it's it's such an interesting connection between music and like visual arts. My brother is a um, musician and that's, you know, he's a, I guess you could say he's a freelance musician, but he kind of just is passionate about music in any shape and form. Like he does freelance stuff, but he's also a music teacher and he does workshops and he does all these different things. But he and I have like such in-depth conversations about the overlap between what it's like to be a musician and what it's like to run a design studio. I feel like there's just so many pieces where you have to kind of have the same skill set of being confident in yourself, but also being open to whatever's around you. And it's, it's an interesting thing how those kind of two worlds connect so often. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, we are all artists. Mm, yeah, very true. Have you always done something creative, making those little like collectible houses? I'm sure that was like a really artistic kind of thing. Have you always like drawn and painted or things like that? Yeah, I tried to draw, but I'm really bad at it. <laughs> but I love to decorate. I actually redecorate in my house now. My I decorate my room back in the day. I'm really into reading too. I love it <laughs> and I'm really into painting too. My dad, it's a painter, but he paints really good. I'm not that good of a painter. <laughs> Your dad sounds super cool. I love that he's like a creative person and yet really supportive of the business world and like running your own entrepreneurial stuff. That's really cool that you guys have that connection. Yeah, he's a strange guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. With growing your business what has been like the biggest struggle to keep it feeling not corporate keep it feeling like you first of all i would say um choosing the right projects because sometimes there are projects that are cool and that comes from big clients but sometimes they don't allow you to explore not only in the design field, but also in that, in the human part. And I want to work with clients, projects, all the things I do in the studio. I want them to be 
I, I don't want to say creative because I feel like everything is, is creative, but free. I want to have a relationship of friendship with my client too. So I can speak my mind. They can speak their mind. And when there's a free exchange of ideas, mm -hmm. everything flows better. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. What does a dream client look like for you? Because I know it's not industry. Oh, Disney. What was that? Disney. I would love to work with Disney. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that you just have a specific client. <laughs> <laughs> what would you want to do for them? Is it just like working on animations or do you want to like rebrand the whole company? No, I would love to, to do the campaign for a movie. Mm -hmm. I would love that. There's a studio that I know, I don't recall the name, but they do all the logos for the movies. Uh, the logo from Luca, the logo from all these lastest movies, Disney releases. And I would love to do that. Mm, that's so cool. And it's such an interesting one. I wouldn't have guessed that because their style is so different from yours. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you want? You well, want something just totally different? Yeah, yeah. But I always love Disney. It's like a company that really keeps close to my heart. So that would be like a big goal for me. And sometimes I work with clients that don't fit uh, with my usual aesthetic. And for example, I did a um, gaming competition recently. We branded all the game on the competition. We do all the social media and their style was so different <laughs> to my usual style. That's so interesting. But it was that it was really fun because it's not something you're used to yeah yeah and it's a new creative exercise it kind of like gives you a different like puzzle to solve almost yeah and you learn a lot because i, I never play games mm -hmm. and i learned a lot about gaming and games i mean yeah and it's interesting too with like working with really diverse clients means that you have to learn a lot about really diverse audiences too and I thought that was super interesting. I, I had a client recently who does professional development for the space industry, which I didn't even realize was a thing. So strange. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what, do, what does that even mean? And they're like, oh, we have these courses that will teach you about things like trajectory and like spacesuit maintenance and like all these different things and like the physics of orbit. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that's just like stuff that you can learn. I thought you had to like. That sounds Super fun. I could never do it, but some super fun. <laughs> yeah. And it was such an interesting one because the audience for that brand was going to be people who work in like independent contractors who do contracts with the military or people in like educational programs trying to get into NASA and like just all these different fields. Also like mechanical engineers and these really intelligent people. And so normally my client's audiences are everyday average people and then it was suddenly like oh i have to design this website to be able to speak to like engineers and technicians and then also government contractors like that's such a different audience to build something for what do you feel what that's so amazing <laughs> I mean, if i had a guy like that it would be oh my god i want to learn more about this yeah it was super interesting and what was cool was that they were very aware that this was something that was new they weren't they didn't really have any direct yeah. competition and so a big piece of like what i was trying to do is just figure out 
how can I explain what it is that you guys do without using all the technical jargon? Because they're used to talking to investors. And so it was like, okay, but tell me what's this experience going to be like for an actual person, not an investor, but like somebody who's going to take your course. And there was a lot of like teasing out all those experiential details so that we could actually like design something for them. But yeah, that's a super, super good challenge for you. I mean, I will feel like if I have to do that, it's amazing because you have to create something from zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's similar to what I always tell people about like starting a business for the first time is that there's like the the biggest good thing about starting a business and the biggest bad thing are the same thing. And it's that you're responsible for everything. On the one hand, that gives you a lot of freedom to create whatever you want. But on the other hand, that means that everything falls on you. You have to kind of yeah. like, figure it out. <laughs> you have the fun, but you have the responsibility. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you have to be able to think on your feet a little bit because you're not always going to be able to anticipate what's going to happen if you make a decision a certain way. So it's like, okay, well, I didn't see that as a consequence. So now what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. What's one of the weirdest, um, or I guess I shouldn't say weirdest, but what's one of the most unusual client projects that you've had as far as like the audience goes? I have a client, we are currently working with them. They are coaches, but they are coaches for business that use Excel sheet with a lot of data. Oh, interesting. So they specialize in making all the algorithms inside an Excel sheet work best. Oh, I love that. It's so strange. <laughs> I was like, what? You work with Excel? What? Yeah, it's such a like specific thing to build a business. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Hmm. And they made audiences just business that are using Excel. Yeah. And you're like, how do I know which business uses Excel? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, how do you figure out who you're talking to? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, though. I feel like I would really appreciate something like that for Google Sheets. I always use Google Sheets for things. And like, I have a friend, she's an OBM. And every once in a while, I'll wake up to a message from her on Instagram in the morning because she's a few hours ahead of me. And she'll just be like, hey, I'm trying to build this thing in Google Sheets. Can you help me? And I'm like, yes, this is the first thing I want to do this morning. I love like <laughs> figuring out weird formulas in Google Sheets. Like at, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning. I'm like, well, you can do a lot of things. I didn't know they existed. I mean, when I saw their one of the sheets, it was like, oh my God, you can figure out life with me. <laughs> yeah. And it's really powerful. And I mean, there's definitely limitations to it, but I love that you can kind of get whatever structure you need for your business put into it it's not like there's limitations on the kinds of calculations and stuff that you can do that's pretty nice yeah i don't want to get too nerdy on it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> what is kind of the why that you have behind your business i know that's kind of like a buzzword a lot of people talk about it but if there's like a mission that you want to accomplish with the business or with your life or what's kind of the purpose behind it all I want to make people excited about things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I feel like being excited about the things you do, the things you buy, the things you enjoy, it's so important because it makes you happy. Mm -hmm. It makes people happy. So if you can make good brands and you design a campaign that excite people, you are leaving a mark out there because you are making people happy. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. And that makes sense because, I mean, you're a Disney fan and that's so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I want to change the world and make it a happier place. So cool. Yeah, you can just like make a little miniature Disneyland and then everything will tie it together. <laughs> You'll have like a collectible that's... Disneyland house. <laughs> that would be so amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That's really cool. I love that. And it's such a... It's such an interesting one, too, because I feel like there are so many people out there who say, oh, I just want people to be happier. But I love that you took it further and you said, I want them to be excited about things because it's true. It's like a slightly different feeling. Like, yes, you're happy, but it's not just that. You're also optimistic about the future. And that's kind of amazing. I mean, it's important to life. Absolutely. I, I always felt that when, I don't know, when I stepping in a new coffee shop, when I went to Disneyland. When I visit my family, that kind of excitement, when you open a gift, <laughs> when you buy a new pair of shoes, you have that excitement that makes you happy. And it's a special feeling. Yeah, for sure. With the Christmas season coming up, I think that's something that we can all kind of empathize with a little bit. The holidays can be hard for people, but I feel like there's also just kind of an ambient feeling of excitement about whatever's about to come, whether it's because of the new year or because of the holidays or what. It's just a time of like really big change and you can either be excited about that change or you can be dreading the change, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, okay, that brings us into what do you have next planned out for the studio or what are you trying to do less of or what are you trying to do more of, I guess I should say. I want to do less of well, all the accounting mm. because I want to be focusing on getting the right clients and going out there and putting my business out there. And I feel like that's something that no one can do except me because I'm the one who founded the business. So I know I'm the one who knows it best. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And what do you want to do more of? I want to do more um, in terms of my business. I want to do more work for non-profits. Mm. I love that. I always try to, I will always try to work with non-profits because I feel like they do an awesome show out there. So I would like to work more for them. Do you have any in mind that you specifically want to work with? Uh, right now, no. I have to make my research for next year. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask too, with the accounting side of things, what country are, is your business based out of? Right now in Italy. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I always wondered that with like the digital nomad friends that I have who run their business and travel the world. It's like, how do you stay on top of the taxes when your business has to be based in a certain country, but you ne not aren't necessarily based in a certain country? It's really difficult. I thought about basing it on Argentina, but Argentina has a lot of limitations regarding currency and a lot of taxes. So I had to figure out which was the best city to base my business on. And I finally decided Italy because it was there. Yeah. That's so interesting. But yes, I knew how to pay to some people. For example, if I pay someone who lives in Argentina, they only will get Argentinian pesos. They will never get dollars or euros because Argentina doesn't allow it. And that's something you have to learn when you have someone who's working in that country. Mm. Because maybe I'll go and make, I'm going to pay you, I don't know, $3. And for them, $3 is not $3. Yeah. 
Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, you would have to keep the currency exchange in mind the entire time too. Do you have a lot of clients who are in different countries? Uh, yeah. Wow. I'm like trying to think about it and I'm like, I can't even like fathom what that's like. I haven't been to another country because I live in Hawaii. And so it's just outrageously expensive to go anywhere because we're the most isolated island group in the world, yeah. you know? So it's like, even just going to a different county costs a couple hundred dollars. It's not just like we can drive or whatever. And it's not like we can take a boat either. I don't know. We happen to be, so I happen to live on the most isolated of all the islands in the most isolated island group in the world. So we can't really get anywhere very easily. So I always think to myself, I need to just have the experience of going to another country at least once so that I can kind of get this entire aspect to life that like I don't really have any connection with. Like all of my clients are based in the U.S. And yeah, I haven't been outside the U.S. So it's on my, it's on my goals. You believe that. I didn't know that it was really expensive to go inside Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pain. I went to Seattle over the summer and I think I spent about $1,100 or $1,200 on airfare. Oh my God. Yeah. So just to go in the same country to one of the closer states that we have costs a lot of money. I don't know what the deal is. It's like airfare is just the worst for us. <laughs> And how do you feel about that? Because I know that there's a lot of people who love to travel, are travel a lot, and they are all starting to travel more. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you lack that traveling side? It depends. I feel like once I get to the mainland, once I get to some place where I don't have to fly for six hours at a time, then like it's better. I like going on road trips, for example, or doing things like that, but here it's like that initial flying from Hawaii to somewhere else that's just kind of a nightmare and like for me I talked earlier about being a stereotypical introvert and being in those tiny seats next to complete strangers yeah. is one of my least favorite yeah yeah and it's like I'm what I'm terrifying a plane so I can too yeah no you wouldn't like living here then <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think on that six-hour flight. Um, so I went to I went to Honolulu first because that's the that's the big city here, but that's also where my boyfriend lives. So I went there uh, for the first part of my vacation, spent some time with him, and then I flew from there to Seattle. And on one side of me, I had maybe a 250-pound bodybuilder man, and, and <laughs> he was, like, crunched up into the little seat trying not to hit me with his elbows. And then on the other side of me, I got stuck in a middle seat. And so on the other side of me was this like 13-year-old boy who just wouldn't stop like adjusting and moving because he was like all uncomfortable and weirded out by sitting next to strangers. And he just like wouldn't stop moving. And so I was like getting really irritated with every little thing. There was like the big giant guy that I really didn't want to touch. And then there was like the tiny kid who just kept moving around. And I was just like, I wanted to stop and like turn to him and just scream, <laughs> sit still. <laughs> And for six hours, I was next to these two people, and I was like, I hate this so much. Yeah, I know the feeling. From Argentina to Italy, there's 16 hours wide. It's like, oh my God. It's never ending. And that's just, what, you don't do any, like, layovers or anything? Yeah, in uh, sometimes uh, in Rome and other times in Madrid. Okay. But still, 16 hours, I can't even, 
Oh, I, I'm like getting angry just thinking about that. <laughs> I know I hate it. Yeah. Well, how often do you make the trip? Well, last year I didn't do any, but I usually try to go there for a uh, winter time. Mm. Okay. Be there for winter time and here, uh, I mean, I try to be in winter time in both places because when in Italy it's winter time, in Argentina it's summertime. Oh yeah. So when in Argentina it's winter time, in Italy it's summertime. <laughs> That's hilarious. You could just go for one season, but two separate times of the year. <laughs> I hate summer, so I'll always escape summer. It's like November, I'm already going away to Italy, okay? <laughs> Goodbye. Summer. That's hilarious. What do you hate about summer? Just the heat? Everything. <laughs> the heat, the humidity, whatever you do, you are sweating like you're like a scale. I just hate it. Yeah. No, I get that. Like I was telling my brother, it's been really humid here this time of year. It's really humid and then it finally will rain. But for a long time, it's just humid. And I hate that feeling so much. And I was telling my brother, there should be just a rule of the universe that you don't sweat if you're not doing anything. <laughs> Like sweat should be earned. It's not just like, well, I'm sitting down, not moving, and yet I'm just dripping with sweat. <laughs> yeah, I'm, my teacher is a ranch. Why? Okay, so let's kind of let's kind of talk a little bit about for other business owners who are trying to do something that feels more like them. They're trying to get away from that pressure of other people telling them you need to do reels or you need to niche down or whatever it is for them. What advice do you have for those people? Trust your gut. It's usually always right. That that feeling you have, mm, I know I should do this. Yes, you should. I love that. Is that something that you feel like you've seen a lot of other business owners have to make a conscious decision to do? Or do you feel like, do you feel like there's a lot of people that you have that conversation with, I guess? And yes. Because I have a lot of brands in the design industry that they are struggling with, I, I should rebrand myself, but you just rebrand me like three times this year. Why you want to rebrand at the end? And maybe that's because they are doubting themselves. Mm. And it's like, maybe because I have to, I don't know, niche down, or it's because I have to do this kind of work. And it's like, come on. No, I love trust that. your gut. <laughs> yeah, trust your gut and don't doubt yourself when it comes to your business. Absolutely. I like it. Already awesome. Well, what do you want to plug? Do you have anything new coming up or any exciting projects or should people just reach out to you on Instagram? We are currently working in a huge project with my team. It's going to be an event in March. It's actually the first event we are organizing. So we are kind of excited with that. That's so cool. What kind of event is it? Or can you not tell? Event, uh, uh, yeah, it's for, it's, it's like, uh, photograph and painting exposition, but especially for horses. Oh, cool. There's going to be um, a talk with a horse photographer and all the stuff for the horse industry. And it's going to be a ranch also. That's so cool. And I love that, like, oh, it's so nice that we're getting back into like in-person events again, because we haven't had that for so long. <laughs> I miss that. Yeah, that's so exciting. People were so happy about working at home and not meeting people. And at the first, first it was cool, but then it was like, I need to see people, touch people. Yeah. And just like have that connection to the outside world. It's like, 
when you're in your own little room doing your own thing, it's like, I don't know, there could be like a hurricane outside or something and you wouldn't necessarily know. It's just like, wait, what? what's happening out there in the world? What's happening? <laughs> There's a world lawyer. <laughs> so where can people find you on Instagram and find out more about the event coming up? I'm going to post it soon. It's going to be a, a micro site. We are working on a video. Okay. It's going to be all out there. Nice. Okay. And then your Instagram is Casabel. Is, is it just that or is there, I can't remember. It's Casabelle and then. Okay. Casabelle and then underscore. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bele, for joining us today. It's been so nice getting to like know you more and getting to talk with you. And like, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, we should definitely do it again and see how things are, are shaping up in the new year. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for like telling me a little bit more about like, you know, what it's like trying to run a business when you're traveling and figuring out all the currency things. I would never have thought about that. So yeah, my God. Yeah, it's something really specific and you only have, uh, I feel like you have that problem if you're not from the U.S. Yeah. Because like in the U.S. everything is easy, but if you live in Europe and Latin America, it's, it's like every country has its own rules and they are so messy. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, well, thank you so much for being here and thank you to all of our listeners and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you for hanging with us on another episode of the Imperfect Professional Podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Shana Nacion. Audio editing is by Cassie McFarlane. Theme music is by my brother, Maluhia Music. And special thanks to all of our incredible guests who are willing to share their stories and support this project. If you'd like to share the story behind your business, send us an email at info at imperfectpod.com or send me a DM on Instagram at Shana Nacion Design. If you're interested in advertising with us, you can send us an email too. That's info at imperfectpod.com. We'll see you soon.